question was he was heading to the gym to work out. You don't get those shoulders by lying around eating chips and drinking beer all day. Aha. Jody speared a finger in the air. You are interested. I'm not dead, Jody. The man is dangerously gorgeous, and you add that air of mystery along with a tight butt. Her hands, rarely still, spread wide. What's a girl to do but wonder? Why wonder? Why don't you go knock on his door, take him some cookies or something, welcome him to the neighborhood? Then you can find out what he does in there all day. If he's single, what he does for a living, if he's single, what- She broke off, head lifting an alert. That's Charlie waking up. I didn't hear a thing. Sybil turned her head, aiming an ear toward the doorway, listened, shrugged. I swear, Jody, since you gave birth, you have ears like a bat. I'm going to change him and take him for a walk. Want to come? No, can't. I've got to work. I'll see you tonight, then. Dinner's at seven. Right. Sybil managed to smile as Jody dashed off to retrieve Charlie from the bedroom where she'd put him down for a nap. Dinner at seven, with Jody's tedious and annoying cousin Frank. When, Sybil asked herself, was she going to develop a backbone and tell Jody to stop trying to fix her up? Probably, she decided, about the same time she told Mrs. Walensky the same thing and Mr. Peebles on the first floor, and her dry cleaner. What was this obsession with the people in her life to find her a man? She was 24, single and happy. Not that she didn't want a family one day, and maybe a nice house out in the burbs somewhere with a yard for the kids, and the dog, there'd have to be a dog. But that was for some time or other. She liked her life right now very much, thanks. Resting her elbows on her drawing board, she propped her chin on her fists and gave in enough to stare out the window and allow herself to daydream. Must be spring, she mused, that was making her feel so restless and full of nervous energy. She reconsidered going for that walk with Jody and Charlie after all, but then heard her friend call out a goodbye and slam the door behind her. So much for that. Work, she reminded herself, and swiveled back to begin sketching in the first section of her comic strip, Friends and Neighbors. She had a steady and clever hand for drawing and had come by it naturally. Her mother was a successful internationally respected artist, her father the reclusive genius behind the long-running Macintosh comic strip. Together, they had given her and her siblings a love of art, a sense of the ridiculous, and a solid foundation. Sybil had known, even when she'd left the security of their home in Maine, she'd be welcomed back if New York rejected her. But it hadn't. For over three years now, her strip had grown in popularity. She was proud of it, proud of the simplicity, warmth, and humor she was able to create with everyday characters in everyday situations. She didn't attempt to mimic her father's irony or his often sharp political satires. For her, it was life that made her laugh. Being stuck in line at the movies, finding the right pair of shoes, surviving yet another blind date. While many saw her Emily as autobiographical, Sybil saw her as a marvelous well of ideas but never recognized the reflection. After all, Emily was a statuesque blonde who had miserable luck holding a job and worse luck with men. Sybil herself was a brunette of average height with a successful career. As for men, well, they weren't enough of a priority for her to worry about luck one way or the other. A scowl marred her expression, narrowing her light green eyes as she caught herself tapping her pencil rather than using it. She just couldn't seem to concentrate. She scooped her fingers through a short cap of brandy brown hair, pursed her softly sculpted mouth and shrugged. Maybe what she needed was a short break, a snack. Perhaps a little chocolate would get the juices flowing. She pushed back, tucking her pencil behind her ear in an absent-minded habit she'd been trying to break since childhood, 
left the sun-drenched studio and headed downstairs. Her apartment was wonderfully open. Aside from the studio space, that had been the main reason she'd snapped it up so quickly. A long service bar separated the kitchen from the living area, leaving the lower level all one area. Tall windows let in light and the street noises that had kept her awake and thrilled for weeks after her arrival in the city. She moved well, another trait inherited from her mother. What her father called the grando grace. She had long limbs that had been suited to the ballet lessons she'd begged for as a child, then grown tired of. Barefoot, she padded into the kitchen, opened the refrigerator, and considered. She could whip something interesting up, she mused. She'd had cooking lessons, too, and hadn't become bored with them until she'd outdistanced her instructor in creativity. Then she heard it and sighed. The music carried through the old walls, across the short hallway outside her door. Sad and sexy, she mused. The quiet sob.